Okay, everyone. Welcome to episode 35 of the Argument Clinic podcast. My name, as always, is Martin Sigalo, and my lovely podcast co-host's name is Lawrence. Lawrence, what is your last name? Uh, it is Zoe. Not Zhao? Not Zhao, which is funny because uh, I think you've generally been calling it Zhao for the uh, last 34 episodes, but I've just never bothered to correct you because it is actually kind of an irrelevant detail, but one that is, I think, kind of funny to point out uh, now. Zhao versus Zoe. Zoe is, uh, yeah. Zoe is like, um, sounds like it's only, there, it's only two letters, but you know. Um, Yes, uh, but the <laughs> correct Chinese pronunciation is Zhou, which I think Zhou yeah. more accurately encapsulates. Also, more about um, accurate encapsulation here in this podcast. Yeah. Also, it's not like I actually care because all English pronunciations of my last name are wrong. So as long as I can get the general idea of what <laughs> you're trying to communicate, I'm good. Oh yes, oh yes. Um, well. With that out of the way, Lawrence, do you know that whenever I go and try and order something at like a Starbucks or or a place like that, you know, I'll say Martin and then they'll say, OK, Mark. Uh, and I just I'm like, OK, <laughs> I think you should work on your enunciation. Oh, perhaps. Um, or I could just or I could just meekly say yes when they ask for Mark. <laughs> yes, that's me. <laughs> All right, well, so the Argument Clinic podcast is a podcast devoted to Lincoln-Douglas debate fundamentals, whether you're a grisly veteran of the tournament scene, someone who likes to pop on in and hear the sounds of Martin and Lawrence talking, a coach looking to get better into this whole debate thing, or just, you know, or just Lawrence when he's editing. This is the podcast for you. So this podcast is what we're, we're calling this our greatest hits podcast. We are going to talk about our um, some of the best episodes of this show for, for, for forming a curriculum if you haven't listened to us before or are just looking for some important episodes to binge. And then we will talk about some, some, uh, some, important, um, some important general tips and tricks for Lincoln-Douglas debate. And then we will have an announcement um, at the end that you will probably already know about. Anyway. Okay, so... First things first, favorite episodes. So my favorite episodes of this show have been um, so so. Let's I'll first talk about my favorite episodes, and Lawrence can tell us his. And then I kind of want to talk about most important episodes, maybe from from a curricular standpoint. So I really enjoyed the podcast episode uh, with uh, with Zoe Ewing of. Um, formerly of Scarsdale High School, recently of Columbia, on strategy. I thought that was a pretty, a pretty important episode, and Zoe was an excellent guest. And I think that's some of our, some of our finest work. I also enjoyed. Um, let's see, I'm kind of scrolling through this now. I, I did just really enjoy. Um, the Drills podcast with Cameron McConaughey. That one was towards the beginning uh, of the podcast. Or, no, um, oh, and I think probably maybe my favorite episode was 
the life cycle episode, although it didn't really do well. A lot of you probably haven't listened to it, um, but it is it's episode 14. It's the life cycle of a tournament. And we just go over like, you know, kind of tournament best practices and basically all the debate things that are not actually the debating. And um, Susie Sharp is one of my favorite people in the entire universe. And she's the best human being that exists. And I would implore all of you to go and listen to that, to that podcast. Um, I also enjoyed any episode that we did with Kathy, Kathy Wong, um, which is, which, which one was that one? I got to feel like that was one of the, one of the topic analysis ones, right? Right, Lauren? It was the right to housing, right to housing. The right, the, the right, the right to housing topic analysis. Um, okay. That was, that was a while ago, man. Um, but yeah, so uh, Kathy is awesome and it was an awesome episode. Okay, Lawrence, uh, how about yourself? Okay, so I think I share your opinion that the my favorite episode is probably the introduction to strategy one with Zoe. Um, the second uh, episode that I think is my favorite is just number one, judge adaptation, uh-huh. uh, both because um, that's probably one of the only subjects I'm particularly qualified to speak a lot on. Um, oh, and, oh, hush. And, and also just because it was the first episode that started this. And we like wrote it all out. <laughs> it took forever. And yeah. If you all that... uh, haven't noticed, if you all haven't noticed uh, <laughs> every episode other than that one, with the possible exception of a lot of episodes two, has been mostly ad-libbed with a serious amount of notes, or in the case of some episodes, no notes at all, but simply a certain panache um, but man, that episode was like word by word written out. Like it was, it was, it was beautiful and so long. It really is like a great episode. Yeah. Put, put, uh, put together with maximum effort. I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend doing that again. It was, uh, it was quite genius. <laughs> oh, that's true. We had a lot of great episodes with a lot of, with a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, great guests. I do like the fact that we named one of our episodes, Cross-Examination Volume 1, which is certainly an ambitious title. Um, that was not followed. <laughs> there is no uh, there is no, there is no Volume 2. So <laughs> if, if you've been eagerly awaiting it the whole time, uh, I'm sorry. Okay, so as far as some of our episodes that are the most important from a curricular standpoint, we have an episode, if you are looking to shop out episodes of this uh, for a while, as I think, you probably should because there really is some some great stuff here. Um, the novice primer for Lincoln Douglas debate is one that I would definitely give to brand new debaters, someone who's never really experienced debate before, maybe knows that it's like a person arguing against another person, but basically doesn't know a lot of the real basics. It really gets deep into the into the basics of basics. And if you sort of are looking to start out novices, you're looking to how, how you might go out to just teach incredibly brand new novices, or you just have some novices that you feel could stand to learn a thing or two, I highly believe that you should, you should, you should give them that one. One of the other important episodes in the development as a debater is we have an episode on transitioning to circuit debate. We understand that not everyone wants to do that, but um, we feel especially that you should um that one should definitely be be on be on your radar it's very different from all the other episodes and if you are looking to transition into, into that field 
it is uh, it is very hard to do. I recommend seeking seeking that out. Other than that, I would you know you can listen to the topic analysis episodes. They are some of our most listened to content. However, I think that some of the best episodes, certainly just the curricular ones. You know, the one about efficiency, I think, is actually an excellent episode that I forgot about until now. That episode was really good, Lawrence. I, I, I think I think that one, you know, maybe maybe should be in the pantheon of best apps. I actually have zero recollection of what I said on that episode. Me, uh, me too. But I'm sure it was I'm sure it was uh, brilliant. Um, the Wang episode with Nelson is also is also is also excellent. Um, any episode where, where, where we talk about drills, you know, efficiency. Um, we have one on persuasion drills. We have one with Cameron Conaway on just like Cameron Conaway on like just like general drills, and those are like extremely, I think, good um, at getting people to uh, at like improving you all um, at debate. If you want to look at how we go through topics, I mean, almost any of our topic analyses will do. Um, we have some just like you know actual content framework stuff on like the social contract. Um, etc. Um, and util, util, and deontology. Some kind of ones in the middle, like like, like evidence comparison, etc. Really, there there is there is a lot a lot of stuff here. Oh, and if you're def if you're new to debate or you don't feel like you've been able to really keep up with what your opponents are doing, the flowing episode really is is very nice. So we did do a whole episode on, on logical fallacies. Nice. Speech organization is, I think, a very important episode. Yeah. Also, debating the value criterion for me is, I mean, it seems to be the, the focal point of a great deal of novice and JV level mistakes in terms of their understanding of what the function, the purpose of the value criterion is and how to effectively debate and defend it. Um, and I think that that episode helped clear up a decent amount of those misconceptions um, and hopefully, you know, will improve the quality of, of value and philosophy debate in, in LD. <laughs> oh, I, it hasn't even worked on my local circuit. If you were on the Central Florida local circuit, you need to actually listen to more of these apps. Gosh darn it. Like, I judged at the NSDA Nationals local tournament, and I saw, like, zero criterion debates at any point. Like, come on. Show some respect. I mean, just like, you know... Don't say that you like LD because it's values a bit and then don't debate values. All right. Um, anyway. Anyway, my anger has subsided. <laughs> um, okay, so what do we so pieces of advice? Yeah. Marvelous. What do you so why don't you why don't you why don't you start it off? Why don't we trade trade back and forth? Um, you can do one, I'll do one, you do one, I'll do one, and then we'll 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 each do three. Okay, um, my first piece of advice is relatively simple, and yet I still think underutilized, which is to read more and learn more about debate itself. Um, there's tons of things that you can do to improve your understanding of both the, you know, what debate is, as well as the content of debate. Uh, and there's so many resources out there for you that aren't just this podcast. And I'll link to some of them actually down in the description. Um, and in a previous video, we also linked to a Google, Google Doc with a lot of resources. But it's, it's a little bit upsetting to me to look 
and gaze upon the vast expanse of educational resources that are available to kids and realize that a lot of them are being almost criminally underutilized. And part of that is not the fault of debaters or students because there's just so much out there. How do you process that information? Like, what do you, how do you know what's important? How do you know what's good? Um, but also I, I do feel like at least partially the responsibility lies on the debater to proactively go out and seek information to help improve their understanding of debate. Um, and so, for example, I'll mention one, I think, very uh, powerful educational source, which is Crash Course Philosophy. It's a YouTube channel uh, that you can just find, and it has like 100 episodes or so, and they cover virtually every important topic in LD debate canon. And so when I see people on the debate Reddit or sending me an email or just in, at tournaments in general, asking simple questions like, what's the difference between act and rule utilitarianism? You know, I, I mean, I get if you don't know that much about philosophy, this is a confusing question, but also there's a five minute video out there on Crash Course Philosophy that clearly explains the difference. And so my advice is just don't stop looking for these resources and utilizing them. I mean, we have access to more information than ever before. And obviously that comes with its own host of challenges to try to figure out what information you should believe uh, and what information is important. But um, there's, I just don't think an excuse in, in this day and age for you to uh, not be out there scrolling the internet for more information about philosophy, more information about the news, more information about current events, more information about um, international relations and, and all those sort of things. And so I think the number one piece of advice for a debater is just learn more, read more. Self-improvement matters. I mean, I think this matters um, way more for kids without coaches because, yeah, like it's it's just going to be way or like coaches that don't really you know assist you as much as you would like because it's really it's it's your responsibility to improve. Like other people can help you, but in the end, it's it's you, and you got to recognize that you got to do it on your own and. Take it upon yourself to so just like learn more, read more. There's just you know so much more out there. Uh, in high school, it's not like you know my coach was awesome, but it's not like she was directing me to uh, read particular philosophy books or anything like that. She was just like go out there and do it yourself. I'll help you if you want. So went out there, discovered the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy, and I just like bought a subscription to it and just read uh, all of it. Turns out the subscription isn't necessary because you can read it all for free. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was about to say, oh no, my poor child. Well, the subscription was like like $5, which is like honestly a reasonable price to pay. All it did was let you download the PDFs, like the official PDFs of the articles, um, which was not worth it because uh, when I was cutting evidence from it, obviously I just used the website. Um, <laughs> what? Oh well. Uh, silly me. But, you know, for example, like, you know, Stanford's Encyclopedia of Philosophy, like, answers almost every basic question and then some about every philosophical concept you would ever want to know about. And it's out there totally free. Yeah, that is true. Um, you listen to this podcast to improve yourselves. And don't um, don't sell yourself short by ending that when you stop listening. Okay. Um, my first piece of advice is to be kind this is uh this is a bit of life advice with martin it's more important to be kind than to be right and you all 
have probably benefited in some way from a lot of important people who are kind to you, whether it's your parents being kind to you and supporting the activity that maybe they understand just a little bit, but they know you love. Maybe, and often this is the case, you are only where you are because of varsity members before you that have either graduated or exist currently. And they spend a lot of energy on you um, to make you the best that you can be. And I think that it is very important for you to remember that when you get older, when you are, and by older, I even just mean when you're a sophomore, when you're a junior, when you're a senior, remember that you're only there not because of the true arguments, but because someone spent the time to help you get to the tournament and someone spent the time and, you know, and, you know, put, put some, put, put some energy into you and you appreciated that and you paid attention to them. And when you have more novices and when you have the opportunity to coach again, um, you should take the new younger generation and help them along their path. When you are at tournaments, you ought to be kind to people that you debate. You don't know what their debate circumstance is like. You don't know how hard it was for them to get to the tournament. You don't know how much their coaching pales in comparison to yours, and you shouldn't try and find out. And you have a responsibility when you were in those contexts to not be a tool and to help those people out. And you have especially an obligation to not um, to not be mean to, to those people. Um, um, <laughs> yes, um, don't do that. Um, make things as, e as easy as possible. Recognize that there are those who are less fortunate than you. That is my first piece of advice. Um, there are some, those are some specific ways that piece of advice can be used, but on the whole, you all ought to be kind and treat that as the first order of business when you are in the debate world. It's a very, very wholesome answer, Martin. I like to think it's full of holes. Uh, well, that that was a Jacob levels or Jacob Nails level joke, and I hated it. Like Martin no. level joke. Martin level joke. I am older than Jacob Nails by a full year, my friend. Oh, <laughs> uh, sorry. Your appearance gives the message. He's a geezer. What does that make me? Uber geezer. Yeah, you're actually not that much older than I am. Um, yeah, I know. That's like it's. I'm like I'm like I'm like, I'm like two years, years right? right? So like so like how old yeah. are you? I'm 26. I'm 23. Oh, yeah. Okay, so maybe slightly. Uh, I'm not giving out that public information here. Uh, uh, Message me. Message me, you goon. Okay, fine. Um, no, I, I, I think that advice is criminally underutilized in debate. And I think one of the things that is annoying about it is um, people see people treat kindness as merely an instrumental tool to get what they want out of other people. And so as younger students, um, they, they're kind because, you know, they don't have any grounds on which to be arrogant and as you call the tools. And when they get older and more experienced, that kindness uh, is sometimes just used to curry favor with other people in, in ways that benefit them. And they stop, uh, I think, just being kind to others merely because they're their people and deserve it. And it's uh, it's 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 frustrating to see people getting ego and think of that as a license to suddenly not have to care about you know how other people are feeling uh, and how they can improve other people's lives, et cetera, et cetera. And 
I think it's uh, I think it's incredibly important to be kind to others in the activity. So, well, all right, got something else for us. Uh, okay, uh, advice number two is I think there is great value in humility and in accepting that you don't know everything and that you have the ability to learn from everyone. So I think there's this weird perverse incentive in debate to act as right as possible all the time, especially in the context of debate rounds, because that is uh, a message that the judges will pick up on and that debaters who communicate to the judge, both verbally and non-verbally, that they really are the ones that truly understand and uh, everything and know what's going on are the ones that deserve to win the round. Um, and, you know, obviously inside of debate rounds, I think you do have to adopt that persona in order to be an effective debater. Uh, but I do think that that persona needs to stop after the speech ends, because once uh, the round is over, I think if you continue that persona, I think it 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 seriously costs you a, a lot of educational opportunities and the, the ability to learn from others. And I don't just mean the ability to learn from judges or your or your coaches or even other coaches, because uh, most of the time you're going to pick up some advice from them from a ballot, pick up some advice from your coach, for, uh, because and you might respect them merely because you're uh, they're your coach. Um, but I, I do mean from like literally everyone has some ability to teach you something even if that something is just a new way of thinking about an argument and you ultimately don't agree with them. Uh, and I, I, I mean that from your opponents, some of whom might be younger or less experienced than you. And I mean that from judges who uh, may not even judge that frequently and may not be uh, as well-versed in debate vocabulary as you are. And I mean that from just virtually everyone in the debate community. Like I have, I don't think I can recall a time where if you ever seriously listened to what someone else was saying, that you wouldn't at least learn something from them, even if that something wasn't very important, or even if that something was ultimately wrong. But I do think that good old John Stuart Mill had it right, which was like, hey, at the very least, the introduction of an idea makes you think about the idea that you have yourself and forces you to question it a little bit to solidify your understanding of something. And so I think my second piece of advice is just learn from everyone there's always something to be learned especially when you're younger in debate like there's so much uh that you're missing out on if you just think that you're right uh all the time yeah that's i'm gonna um that's a really important piece of advice and i am going to broaden it um because i i i think so many of you i assume most of you are still doing debate um, one day you will not be doing debate and hopefully. it's very, <laughs> um, well, hopefully you will not be debating, right? Maybe you will be, maybe you will do debate, do, uh, with your life debate things. Um, and this, and in that case, this advice is especially important when you are in life, you will find that you are able to out argue, um, the vast majority of people. And it is very important that when you are doing this, you should be thinking very seriously about whether you ought to do it. And what I mean is, it is very easy to out-argue people who do not have your training. Um, it is also very easy to fall into the trap of thinking that that makes you right 
or smarter than people who can't articulate themselves. And this is especially dangerous on an issue that you aren't really sure about yourself. You just know that their arguments are wrong. That can lead to kind of an arrogance in society where you feel like you push people away. When you are in a debate round, it is not important to change your opponent's mind because you won't. Uh, unless you are, I don't know, really, really good. <laughs> uh, but almost certainly you will not change your opponent's mind, and that's also not the point of, of the activity. When you are talking to a real person, people are not usually thoroughly convinced by beating them in open argument, especially when you have had debate training and they don't. Which means that when you are talking with people, it is important to sit back and listen to their point and then maybe oftentimes you may have to help them create a version of their argument that is better and perhaps respond to that. And it is very important that you convince them of something. Convincing people of something is much harder than, than making arguments merely against them. You will have to do other things and that um, that will depend from person to person. Uh, Lawrence, I think we've had conversations in 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 uh, in just normal life about about how I would how I would go about these these kinds of things. Um, do you do you remember? Maybe, maybe. Uh, no, no particular particularly concrete example comes to mind at the moment. Here's here's a here's a specific aside about that. When you are arguing against someone. Sometimes they believe what they believe because they have seen arguments that incline one way or the other. Far more common is people who believe what they want to believe. And they want to believe this because they've been told that they should because of who they are. To unpack that a little, you have people who believe in something not because they've really researched one way or the other extensively. They just know that because they are, I don't know, a liberal or a conservative, they are supposed to believe this thing, even though they haven't really talked about it in detail. Um, I think the best example of this is tariffs. Um, I think people think that they are supposed to hate tariffs without really knowing any of the arguments for or, or against tariffs. And I think that has caused a lot of uh, undeserved tariff uh, love in, in, in the United States. Um, when you are dealing with these people, one thing that you have to do, and by the way, these people, I mean most human beings, when you are having a conversation with them, you will have to kind of change how you approach that conversation. It's no longer a conversation that you win, quote unquote, by just putting a bunch of facts out there and watching them not stop paying attention to you and then you walking away satisfied. Instead, it has to be you talking through that identity thing with them a little bit, which is to say, oh, you know, there are a lot of conservatives that don't believe in tariffs and kind of trying to wed those or like, oh, I'm a conservative, too. I just don't believe in tariffs. That's kind of one thing that I kind of diverge on a little bit. Now, if you do that, you are more likely to change people's minds. When you are training in debate, you are not training in debate just so that you can feel good about yourself, although certainly that's why many of you do debate. You are, there is support for debate in the curriculum to teach us to be better at being human beings and being citizens. And you don't be a, a good human being or a citizen by just making fun of people that don't do debate by, or by running circles around them logically. You will not make any friends that way. 
and you certainly will not change any minds. So that all of that is to say, um, my my big piece of advice is, you know, don't treat articulateness as a weakness and try and change minds rather than out argue people when you leave debate or when you are, you know, not in a debate room. All right. So I like that advice. Um, you know, debate has more value than winning a loss. It's something to do with outside of debate. All right. My final piece of advice is that your understanding of debate is always improved by constant questioning. And what I mean by this is passively accepting things that you're taught, even from people like Martin and I on this podcast, is not a particularly effective way at solidifying your deeper level understanding of debate, argumentation, logic, et cetera, et cetera. Those, I think, only come upon relatively uh, personal introspection into your understanding of those concepts and beliefs. And I think that comes only with uh, a sense of skepticism towards things that you're taught and a desire to understand the why and the hows behind the statements that are uh, presented to you. I think one easy to understand example of this is the value criterion. Uh, most people are simply taught that a value criterion is just part of a Lincoln-Douglas debate case. You just have to have it. And most people treat it as its own distinct uh, debate that is somehow isolated from everything else in, in the round, or they treat it as somehow integrally tied into the contentions or something like that. And it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter how they treat it, but they treat it one way or the other because they were taught that way. And yet, if you ask them, well, what is the purpose of the value criterion? Most people give kind of a strange answer that doesn't accurately map out onto what the real true function of the value criterion is, which is you know, to serve as functionally a weighing mechanism in the debate to tell you what impacts we ought to prioritize. And yet that answer is not the most common answer you would hear. And I think that's partially due to the fact that uh, people who are told about the value criterion just passively accept it as uh, a sort of fact about Lincoln Douglas debate. And, and that's about all they know about it. And so I think everything from the concept of logic to causality, to the role of the value criterion, to how voting issues are presented, to why you start on the negative case and move to the affirmative case when you're in the 1AR, or maybe why you start on the affirmative case and move to the negative case in the 1AR. All of those things, I think, deserve uh, a, a reflection on the part of the debater to truly understand why am I doing these things. And maybe you don't know the exact answer. Well, thankfully, that's why you have coaches or friends or even the debate subreddit to ask if you're not sure. Although I would say it's better to work it out on your own if possible, because that <laughs> generally means that your understanding is uh, better and you avoid spamming the debate subreddit. Um, yeah, because the, longest, the debate subreddit is not always right, and that is a huge understatement. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, I Recently, I've begun more actively trawling the debate subreddit, and the amount of inaccurate comments I see there are, is um, a little sad. I mean, I think it, it's good that debaters are trying to help it's other people. It's almost as sad uh, as trawling the debate subreddit. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's what happens when you're incredibly oh, bored during your Chinese language classes. Uh, but uh, yeah, so like, you know, 
work it out by yourself. And, and, and then after you work it out by yourself, see if you can discuss it with someone else, bounce it off someone else, see if you can uh, get other people to think on the same page as you, or maybe find new information to help you revise your beliefs. But basically just don't stop questioning because truly and honestly, uh, I did not understand, uh, truly understand that is a lot of debate components until long after I graduated. And I look back on high school and think, wow, was I really so uh, ignorant as to not understand what these arguments were? And the answer is yes, yes I was. And that would just have been solved with a, just a little bit more reflection, a little bit more critical thinking, a little bit more uh, you know, questioning of what debate is. Yes, um, and I think that this podcast has really helped people in a number of ways. Um, to understand what sorts of questions you should be asking yourself when it comes to those things. I think that many people would love to think about those, um, as you've identified, Lawrence, and also sort of don't know where to start. And we hope that by listening to this podcast, you come to think of things in ways that are important. You come to understand things. You listen to something and you think, why did they say that? Why should I do that? Why should I spend time on this? And the way that we talk about those things, try and think about it in the same way too. And I think that you'll find that it is easier than you think. And also you may depart from, from some established wisdom. And you know maybe you feel like you've departed from the wisdom and then you try some stuff in a debate round and it absolutely goes horribly wrong. And maybe you feel, well, maybe I need some, some, more, um, some more data on this. Okay, so my third piece of debate advice is um, is to is to be clear and to be smart. When you are in a debate, I've given two non pieces of debate advice, so I figure I should give a piece of advice for when you are for when you're in a debate. When you are in a debate, regardless of everything that we've mentioned on this podcast, the most important things are for you to be clear, for the, the th for you to say things cleanly, concisely for people to understand what you say, and for those things to be smart, that you've thought about them in advance and that you don't merely go into a debate and just act randomly because you feel like you wanna say some stuff and the timer's ticking down. What I want you to do when you were in a debate, I want you to think of how what's the cleanest, clearest way I can say this and what's the smartest thing that I should do. And when you're in a debate and you think about those things, though those pieces of advice um, just abstracted from everything are utterly useless. But um, when you are thinking about things before the tournament and before the debate, um, those are the kinds of things you, sh you should think about. How can I make my argument clear? How can I make my argumentation smart? What should I do? And if you are thinking about those things in debate, you will, uh, hopefully that will cause you to win the most. Anyway, that's it. Um, I will take Lawrence's silence as resounding uh, approval. You all sure go for it. Hear, hear the thunderous applause. Um, it's it's uh, Lawrence as editing it out as we speak, but um, so you know. Anyway, okay. So now we come to the kind of um, now we come to the kind of uh, unfortunate part of the podcast where we discuss the future of the podcast. <laughs> Which is to say that the podcast is ending. Now, you all may know this. Um, it's very sad. 
Um, now you all may know this from looking at the episode description or um, or some some other way, or just but, guessing from our lack of regular posting. Yes, it's true. We didn't post on the March and April resolution, and we won't post on the Nationals resolution. And I am I am sorry about that. Um, and I do wonder if you all, without listening to us about the March April resolution, roughly guessed based on the debates that you've already had what it was going to be about. And if you have, maybe hopefully we have helped in some small way. But the podcast is over. Um, it is ending. This is the last episode. The greatest hits. Um, and the podcast is ending for for a number of reasons. Um, the biggest one has to do with our scheduling, though. That's kind of just the dominating uh, reason. I am um, leaving my job as a high school debate coach to head off to law school, exactly where I don't know yet, waiting on some... Uh, some financial aid stuff and some and some and some decisions from some people who haven't told me yet. And uh, Lawrence is doing some stuff in China, and we will both be unable um, to regularly make make episodes for this for this podcast. We didn't want to give you one for your work, so we're ending it. But we won't really be in a position to do it at all. And I I, I envision that when I go off to law school, I will be. I will try to be as emotionally divested from debate as I can because of, I think I will get too, um, too sucked in because I care about my kids so much, but uh, that is not a recipe for success when you um, have no effect on their outcomes. So um, let me think about some of the other potential reasons why this is ending. Um, Martin and I just truly and honestly hate each other to the to the deepest parts of our cores. That's yeah, no, that's no, uh, that's 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 not it. But um, we we were considering getting getting alternate guests, like maybe Lawrence could do it with someone else. But we think it is cleaner to simply end the podcast. Um, and you know, Lawrence's schedule is 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 evolving as well. I mean, uh, Lawrence. You won't be able to do the podcast, I assume, because of your uh, personal scheduling things. Uh, it'd be quite difficult given the massive time difference. So I, I'm actually already in China. So the uh, just just organizing this episode alone was difficult because it is very early morning for me and relatively late at night for Martin. So that's true. It is. It is. It is. But isn't it ten where you are? That's early morning for me. Yes, I know. But it is 10 where Lawrence is, and it's 10 where I am. Um, it is a neat 12-hour time difference, um, which yeah. makes Which isn't the worst, except for the fact that usually I actually have morning classes and night obligations, which I assume heavily overlaps with your also early morning obligations and night obligations. Very true. I have to be at a school. <laughs> um, so, so, so that's true. I have I have truly loved my time do, doing this podcast. I'm really glad I I'm really glad I started it. I'm really glad that Lawrence um, has agreed to to be with me, despite not knowing me very well when the, when the podcast started. I am glad that I was able to spend so much time with him and getting to know him that much better. I'm really glad that I was able to put this curriculum up online. I was recently talking with a Lake Highland, uh, that's the school that I coach at. Uh, parent and he was like, "Oh, you have a podcast. Why don't the kids listen to them?" And I basically, uh, the kids at the school rather, and I basically just had to say, "Well, the reason they don't is because these are the things that I'm telling my kids at school 
to you know get them better and ready for, for competition so that they can beat their opponents so they know these things already but other people don't don't necessarily uh and so we really wanted to we really just wanted debate to improve we get nothing from this podcast we only have got we only get the cost of the hosting Florence will 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 talk about in a sec we we haven't seen a dime our mics were were compensated that's it and we have never put any ads on the podcast stuff we never will and we just want you all to learn and that's and and that's it and we just want debate to be better and it was really fun getting a wide array of guests to talk about, about various issues getting guests is is, is fun and you, you know we have learned things on our podcast as well and talked through some things and if we could help improve the quality of debate then um then 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 that's wonderful and i personally um had a wonderful wonderful time um lawrence how about you please cry um so i, I won't be crying uh but it, it, was, it was fun enjoyed this podcast uh, you know, generally speaking, it's it's difficult to find tangible ways to give back to the debate community. Um, you can judge debate tournaments, you can coach, you can donate, you can volunteer. But uh, I think this has been one of the easiest and yet most impactful ways that Martin and I could assist the debate community. Uh, I certainly would not have been as successful as I was without the assistance of many judges, competitors, and uh, people in the community that helped me out. And I think it's uh, only reasonable to give back a little bit, uh, at least in the context of helping other students improve the debate. Um, and I hope this podcast helped some people. Uh, you know, as Martin said, uh, this is not a financially profitable enterprise for either of us. Uh, it's probably financially a net zero. Uh, or sorry, net loss, given all of the hours we've dumped into this. Uh, but, you know, if we just helped a couple of kids out, I'm fine with that. Hopefully it helped more than that. Uh, and yeah, this is a fun podcast experience. It's been two years already. Holy crud. It's a long time. That is a long time. And 35 episodes is a respectable, respectable, respectable number. Um, one just fun piece of trivia um, I, uh, for those of you that, that don't know, uh, which is, should be all of you, <laughs> uh, our, um, our great giant, uh, Google doc, um, for putting together episodes on this one is called the mothership. Um, it has a great Google image photo of a giant alien CGI spaceship, um, at, at, at the top that you have to scroll past every time you want to open the document or do anything. So the mothership has been the source of, 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 of a lot of stuff, uh, beaming truths to you um, through the ages. Um, anyway, um, I would like to sign off this episode of the, um, of the Argument Clinic podcast for, for the very last time. Um, well, before, I'll, I'll briefly explain what we're doing with all of our episodes. Why don't you do that? Yeah, so the podcast will still exist, at least in the sense that you can have our episodes for the next few months, uh, at least until the end of our hosting subscription runs out. This will still be available on iTunes and SoundCloud. Uh, and so you can still listen to it there. 
but all of the episodes will be put into a downloadable zip file. We will post that link in the R debate and our Lincoln Douglas subreddit. It will be linked on the main vbriefly page, which is vbriefly.com, or you can access it at victorybriefs.com. And it'll take you to a zip file that you can download. It'll have all the episodes inside of it. And somehow I'm sure the, and oh, and that link will also be posted on our Facebook page, which I guess we'll just like keep alive in case anyone stumbles across it, but you know, <laughs> not like we're going to actively maintain it. Um, in, the, in the depths of the internet. Yeah, it, it'll be there. Um, and you know, as long as some people can access it still, that's fine. The last thing that I'll say is, you know, hopefully the, our listens don't just end now. Apart from the topic analyses episodes, most of the stuff is pretty timeless, pretty useful across, you know, debate styles, pretty useful across debate regions, pretty useful for kids uh, of all ages and skill levels. And the value of this resource, I think, is really to target people who don't have as, as many resources outside of this. And I think the value is that they continue to receive this podcast. And so if you can still spread this to people that you know uh, and help them, you know, I think that'd be really good uh, as well. You certainly, you certainly should. Our episodes have been uh, steadily gaining listens very slowly, even though we haven't posted one um, in months. And I trust you. But overall, the most important thing, remember, is that if you feel that you've learned a lot from this podcast, please give old episodes to others. Please, please help them out. Please give them to anyone who, who will listen. We don't care. We get nothing if you share them, but we want you to get some stuff. Okay, once Lawrence finishes cleaning off his computer... Um. <laughs> now he's silent. Oh no, everyone! We've okay, lost I'm him. back. I'm back. Get him, get him. Get him back. Okay, everyone. Your your uh your your wise words and your your thoughts and prayers brought him back. Um. So, um. Uh, okay. So now, um, take two. Or I guess one last time. Thank you to the Victory Briefs for sponsoring this episode of the uh of the Argument Clinic podcast. They provided um, all the stuff, and their camp is nice. Okay, so so okay, so now third time's a charm. Signing off of the last episode of the Argument Clinic podcast with that wonderful Monty Python clip um, at the end. I hope um, if Lawrence puts it in, uh, Lawrence, do you have the ability to put that in? Well, of course. Okay, that's good. The wonderful Monty Python skit, the Argument Clinic that this show is based on. Um, I will sign off. And the way that we're going to sign off this time is that is that Lawrence and myself, for the first time ever, will say stay frosty at the same time. And you just got to do it because uh, it's, the last it's the last episode. You get, are you going to do it, Lawrence? I, I can count uh, three. Fine. Fine. Say stay frosty. You ready? Okay. Cool. All right. Three, two, one. Stay, stay. Frosty. No, this isn't an argument. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. It's just contradiction. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. It is not. <laughs> <laughs>